Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And uh, we are still in France, uh, here in the French Catholic Cafe. And I have a, like another co-host here. This is so awesome to have these different uh, co-hosts that uh, come and visit us here while we're on pilgrimage with the Order of Malta. And I have Father Andrew Fisher. Now, Father, where, where is your parish again? Deacon Jeff, I'm a priest of the Diocese of Arlington, Virginia. And I'm the pastor of St. Ambrose Parish in Annandale, Virginia. Well, I'm sure they're proud of you that you're here in Lourdes praying for them and offering up whatever they need going on there. And, and I know it's a blessing for you to be here as well. You love this, this place. I've met you a couple of times here. It's great it's, to be here. Yeah, it's a great place. It's, it's beautiful, quite beautiful. It is. Right? And speaking of beauty, you brought along a friend here. We have Paul Hennessy. And Paul is an artist in the northern Virginia area. Yes. And me. you find yourself here in Lourdes. I do indeed. Um, not for the best reason. I'm allowed here. I've been uh, battling cancer for about four years, but I'm, I've come to as a malad to the to Lourdes. I'm having a wonderful time here and, and uh, taking in the the healing waters. And, and uh, I did the healing baths also, and I'm um, hoping for a, a good outcome from that. But we'll see. That it's well, been... we certainly pray for that. And I, and this is the place to be. Indeed, right? Isn't Absolutely. It? And so here we are in the midst of all this beauty. Uh, and uh, it's really interesting. I think it's great. When I found out you were an artist, I thought, well, you know, it'd be interesting to have a discussion. Just about maybe the relationship between beauty and God or the idea of finding God in beauty in general, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, let's just go back to the beginning and and talk about man's insatiable appetite for beauty, right? We're we're always seeking that which is beautiful. We're wired that way, aren't we? I believe so. Um, It it is very natural. It's almost a a subconscious um, uh, effect. Um, you, uh, You try to... Beautify your environment, and that's why people uh, buy buy paintings and have them. They want beautiful things in their houses, surrounding them, beautiful sculptures and paintings. And uh, even in within the paintings, they they it's just more pleasant to have have beautiful things around you. It's very inspirational and and uh, and does make you think of of uh, the gr- greater greater things beyond yourself. And and uh, well, I know uh, one of the things that you you specialize in is landscapes, Indeed, right? This yeah. idea of of just seeing nature, sure, right, and the experience of nature. Yes, I I love nature. I'm, I I've um, since we were uh, young children, my father always used to take us on vacations to the beaches and the mountains right. and have us outdoors. Oh, you get some beautiful seascapes I've seen on there. Thank you. They yeah. remind me of all my little trips as a. Uh, as a youngster going to the beach with the family. Sure, and and one of the um, uh, prime times for painting at, at the beaches is, is the sunrise. If you're on the East Coast, the sun is coming up. And uh, that's a, a beautiful, glorious time because as, as the sun comes up from behind the clouds, you can have incredible effects of beauty, and it, it is very inspiring, and, and uh, um, it, it is, is, does, look, does look like a little bit of heaven off in the distance. Over well, the you know, you, you used the right word. You said it was a glorious experience. In, indeed. And I know all of us have, have stood on the seashore and you look out at the ocean 
right? And we all say the same thing. If you could harness all that power, sure, right? We maybe. sense something big Absolutely. when we when we see nature. And it's not always in in the vastness of nature. Sometimes even in a still life or in a small, the intricate detail and how things fit together and the colors and things Absolutely. can also help us have that, that experience. Yeah, that's uh, seeking almost a perfection, um, a, a, a perfect form or a, 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 very, a very pleasing form and something that just... It's, it's almost instinctual on a subconscious level. It just seems very right and correct and, and beautiful in that sense. Now, you never paint any pictures like dogs playing poker or anything like that, right? I just, I, that's not the kind of art that no, you... No, that, that would be illustration, I, I, I guess, <laughs> okay. or, or um, on the... Because the, the, uh, I know F- uh, Father Andrew prefers that kind of art. Sure, I know that's what, sure. he's, what he's looking for, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's an acquired taste. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it doesn't cost that much. No, <laughs> no. But, uh, but I'll tell you... Um, in all seriousness, no, seeing um, the beauty of nature, hmm. it does cause you to, I don't know, take your thoughts beyond what's sitting right in front of you and to think things that are, that are in, in uh, the cosmos and just in greater um, worlds that we could never even imagine. And, and I mean, I guess it, 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 it takes us to God in a way, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, you think of a beautiful uh, a mountain scene and, and um, uh, the just... Uh, it's, it's, I think it has a timeless quality too to it. Um, so much of uh, uh, what you see in, in cities and, and uh, even in your house is all, all recently invented items and shapes and things like that. But I can paint a, a cows in a stream and that I, that I would see uh, near my house, and it's and and a hundred years ago the cows were in the stream, and five hundred years ago the cows were in the stream, and, and there's that, that timeless quality that takes you back. Uh, and, and there's a, a the continuity of an eternal. You get a sense of eternity, exactly, I guess, yeah. is is right. And again, we're right back at God when we see sure. something like that. And now you also have talked about uh, you know maybe tricks or tools or things that artists would use, and uh, in, in terms of like things like uh, balance and, and and color and and where you place things on a canvas, it's not so simple as. I mean, I'm a simple guy, and, and you know I like a, a, a mm. good picture, but I don't always know how to make that good picture. So it would cost. A, an artist would would be someone who would be able to sort of see that relationship and understand that weight and that balance and how it affects you so that then you can recreate that in a way that's going to be pleasing to somebody, right? Absolutely. I mean, a, lot, a lot of artists are do that instinctually. They, it's a second nature to them, but you can be taught this, and that's what we... I have an art degree, went to art school, and right. I, I do teach also art, and, and my students, I, I teach the uh, proportion and... Uh, uh, line edges, a soft edge recedes, a hard edge comes forward. So if you if you wanted something to uh, sit in the background, you'd get a softer edge and, and the sharp edges. And um, uh, color harmony, there, there are right. certain colors that go together and, and are much more pleasing visually. You know? But uh, um, yeah, all these little tricks, um, uh, things you can do with line, a, a jagged a diagonal line is, is, uh, creates a sense of agitation and energy. But a, uh, a horizontal line is is a very stable uh, base, and uh, a vertical line is is obviously uh, t- takes you upward. A pyramid is a focusing uh, device as, as the as the lines converge at the top, and and uh, um, that, that that can also it was, that was also used uh, um, in a lot of the uh, uh, Pietas and the uh, M- uh, Madonna and Child. 
the uh, the shape was was purposely made as a triangle to bring you bring your eye up to the to the center. A, a Gothic arch in a church, as as the the uh, point comes up, it was to to bring the congregation's eyes upward towards heaven. And uh, yeah, and that's quite beautiful. Uh, a lot of people don't realize, you know, Catholics all over the world go to mass to all these different churches, and they don't mm-hmm. always know what it is that's so aesthetically pleasing, or or what's causing them to to. to to think supernatural thoughts, to think about God, and and sometimes the very things that are in in front of them, the the architecture, the structure, the stained glass windows, are actually causing that. Absolutely, and it, and it was designed uh, for the illiterate masses back in in the uh, in, in the earlier centuries. Uh, these people couldn't read. Um, a stained glass window to them it would be like a an IMAX 3D movie to, right. to us these days because it's, it was just so spectacular. They had uh, no access to books. Books were reserved for royalty and the clergy, and and uh, they were instructional. Um, the, the stories of the Gospels or the the, the life of the the Holy Family were were were, were literally shown, made manifest in these beautiful stained glass windows. And if the, the peasants even couldn't even understand the language being spoken to, they could look at the windows and, and see the story in them. And, and then just the, the, uh, as the arch is moving up in the clear street, the light's coming in, and it was this heavenly light above. And it, it, it was like a wonderful experience for them to, to go And again, that, that directly leads us to God as we, as we see some of, these, uh, some of these beautiful images. Now, were the artists that were constructing these, uh, these uh, windows, but also the structures within the church itself, were they using these same kind of rules that they've been developed over over centuries? Yeah, they did. The, the early uh, archworks were, were just squared off of the top. It was just like a post and lintel. But they did purposely start making an arch to, to move uh, move the eyes upward. And uh, they and it was the, the process, the corbelled arch first, where they would stack stones, and then they eventually uh, the technology improved, and they were using curved wood and and then all, all these complicated forms. But it was all intended towards towards that, just that moving the eyes upward and upward toward God. Um, they had often the, the circle in the top of the dome an op- opening called an oculus, and right. it was called the eye of God, and the light would come in that way too. And, and uh, well, we saw it in the cathedral in Baltimore on the way up here, and, and it was that beautiful light coming down. And, and then, of course, all the extra de- decorations went, went along with it, the frescoes and... and, and uh, uh, the, the stained glass and the carvings too, and the statues. Now, Father F- Fisher, do you do you see? Uh, do you have a lot of beautiful art in in your in your in your church or in churches in your area? That do you see an effect of this art or or the uh, the architecture and all this? Do you see an effect in it that, that spiritually enhances the the worship of of your parishioners or the flock that? that you get to interact with? Absolutely. We've always felt in the Catholic Church that the church was the dwelling place of God, that when you enter in, you literally are, even while still on earth, leaving the world behind to come in the presence of God. And so you have beautiful artwork that reminds you of the saints. The light pours in. God is always associated with light, not with darkness. And as Paul said, the church is built to make your mind go up, to make you think as you're sitting there and pray and you leave the world behind because through baptism we're in the world but no longer of the world. And certainly people can go to the Louvre and look at a beautiful picture and it makes them stop and reflect and search for meaning. But in the Catholic Church, the same principle applies to have a beautiful image of our Lord or the Blessed Mother or Saint helps to put things in perspective that I'm not alone. I'm on a journey along with the Church. And, you know, that's the beauty in terms of our faith. St. Luke is the patron saint of artists. And St. Luke is the patron saint of artists because when he writes his gospel, 
He includes such details in telling stories like the prodigal son that they say, scripture scholars and saints say that St. Luke does not write the gospel, he paints the gospel. Because as he tells something about Christ, he'll talk about how Christ did it. And of course, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So Luke is always associated with artists. I remember specifically, I think it's in Luke, where, uh, where Jesus, when he's in the synagogue and he reads from the scroll from Isaiah, and he says, in hearing this, you know, if he's fulfilled this prophecy, he rolls it up. And, and, and that, that moment seems like this dramatic, it almost looks like a film uh, script, you know, and I could see the movie, and you could see all of the uh, Pharisees sitting right, there thinking, right. what's going on here? And he's painting a picture. Luke paints a beautiful uh, image there. And so every little detail, and I, I've, I've been to, our artist day, I've been to Paul Hennessy's studio and seen how when the painting starts, you keep just adding details. And an artist looks at things and sees details that we might not see or be able to explain, but the artist has the ability to put all those pieces in to paint the, the whole masterpiece. Beautiful. We have more to talk about um, uh, all this beautiful uh, beauty and art uh, leading us to God. I uh, want to take a break, but before we do that, I want to remind everyone at home, we have a great website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love for you to send me an email, uh, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. How do we determine that we are following God's will? Perhaps if it is virtuous, then God wants us to do it. But if it is a pious, good, and virtuous act, is that enough to tell us that God has willed it to be done, and it is what He wants for us? This can get tricky. But St. Ignatius of Loyola can help. St. Ignatius of Loyola was a Spanish saint born in the late 15th century who became the principal founder and the first superior general of the Society of Jesus, better known as the Jesuits. St. Ignatius devised a simple test for determining God's will in our lives. He tells us that we must look at the fruits of what we are doing. That will tell us whether or not God willed it to be done. If it has good fruits, peace, harmony, and happiness, then it is more likely that we are following the will of God. If it has bad fruits, discord, pain, and disharmony, then it is more likely that we are not properly discerning God's will in our lives. A man wakes at 4 a.m. every day and spends four hours in prayer, which would ordinarily be viewed as a virtuous act. But if he is married, he may encounter a wife who becomes angered by the fact that he is no longer helping her get the household ready for the day, making breakfast and bathing and dressing the children. St. Ignatius would tell us that because of the bad fruits of his morning ritual, the upset wife, the disharmony in the household, the man might be being influenced by the evil one, Satan, who often comes to us in the guise of light. St. Ignatius would suggest that if the same man prayed the same amount, but at times of the day more in accord with his family's schedule, the fruits might very well include a more harmonious household and a happier wife. Thus, St. Ignatius would tell us that this was truly following the will of God. So often in our daily lives, we need affirmation that the road we have chosen was indeed the one that God had intended us to take. While the world may tell us one thing about the choices we make, the fruits of those choices cannot lie. 
We need only to take the time to examine our actions and their results to determine if God was truly served in carrying them out. Because of his life dedicated to the good fruits of a faith-filled life in Christ, St. Ignatius was canonized a saint in the year 1622. His feast day is July 31st. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe. Uh, still joined here by Paul Hennessy and by Father Andrew Fisher. And we're talking about God and art. Uh, and of course, the, um, you know, this whole idea of art leading us to God, or in a, in a broader sense, beauty, visual things. Um, is that something that maybe is a, a, a lost art? Do you think that right now that we're that we've maybe come, I know that that art ebbs and flows, Absolutely. right? What's in fashion or what's in style, mm-hmm. and you go to the uh, the artists of Chicago and the contemporary room, and you're kind of going, okay, that's a big square thing and it's all black. Yeah. That's art, you know. And then sometimes, I, and I don't fancy that art, but I know some people do and appreciate that. Um, but again, seeing to me realism and, and experiencing that is such a profound way. Um, do you think all art or all beauty does it, that, that does that lead us to God? Is there a is there a wider purview of art? I guess is what I should ask than than the realism that we would see. Or I, I think there is. It's um, often the, the the modernisms have been uh, kind of art deconstructed. It, they take uh, parts of art and focus on them simply because they. Uh, they haven't been concentrated on, but it's they'll they'll just do a pure colors as you mentioned, or or, or simpler geometric frames, almost like uh, archetypal platonic forms of, of of different shapes and things like that. But uh, but then there's also like the Picasso kind of kind of thing that looks more like what I might draw, you know, but just because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, they, they were trying to do uh, certainly different things there. Um, it was almost like uh, creating a. Um, a, a a procession of time in in shapes, but in just in one in a two dimensional form. So you can see, you'll see a, an object from all different angles at once. And, and instead of move, you moving around, the, the painting is showing the different shapes as if you had moved around. Things like that with the Picassos. But um, even uh, modern uh, the modern churches, modern cathedrals, uh, the uh, Matisse Chapel in Vence had, had the beautiful. Uh, 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 stained glass windows with dancing forms in them, and um, the uh, 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 Sagrada Familia that uh, Antonio Gaudi did in Barcelona with these melting forms of the this such a scrum. They're they're just modern ways or, or different ways of expressing the same things essentially. But uh, I do prefer the the classic uh, um, re- realistic uh, uh, forms, and I think it's a personality too. There are personality types that that are more comfortable with this, the abstract thoughts and. And uh, I'm, I'm very much a literalist, and uh, it, it becomes almost a, 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 combina- a, a, a distinction between uh, prosaic uh, uh, prose and, and poetry. You know, the, the more abstract can be more like an essence of something, whereas the a literal uh, um, depiction of a scene is, is more like a, an illustration and, and, uh, and, and, or a, a, liter- a, a visual interpretation of something that's quite literal. But uh, um, you think in terms of... Uh, Describing some uh, more abstract ideas, like uh, 
uh, a love of family, and I think of uh, of a, a more realistic thing would be like uh, Norman Rockwell's painting of the the, the family around the Thanksgiving turkey right. and and uh, the uh, uh, just uh, lo- a loyalty and charity did the, the Boy Scouts and the the uh, Boy Scout helping right, them across right. the street, and and that, that's kind of a, a more like an illustration of humans acting out the these these things like faith and, and charity and love. Um, they're they're abstract ideas, and and to do them in in a, a visual form is 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 difficult unless you're doing, doing well, unless you fall into the, all the cliched stuff, right? Exactly. Or, so uh, do you do you ever a, attempt, or, or I shouldn't say attempt, but but do you appreciate the fact that sometimes people can find those abstract ideas, like in your in your works? Um, yeah, the the, um, the the when the way I do certain colors and, and uh, um, the colors if I do a seascape the colors in the ocean and or they're, and they're very simplified shapes of the waves or the clouds clouds are wonderful abstracts on their own you can uh, and and they're enjoyable to paint in that sense because. A cloud can look like just about anything. And, it's, and, it's a bunny, exactly. You know. <laughs> and, and, uh, and and we'll do that sometimes. But but, uh, um, but at, the, at the same time, uh, it's uh, um, the, this. Uh, well, as we were talking about earlier, the, just a glorious uh, sun, the sunlight, and, and, it, and, it, and it reminds you of a, a depiction of heaven. So it it, uh, it plays that way also. But, uh, now, let me ask you: Has your has your personal faith, your belief in God, your 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 faith, has it? Affected your art at all? Do you think? Um, in a sense, um, I, I've I've done several paintings that uh, were were uh, again re- realistic, but uh, related to, to uh, the church and God. In a way, I've done, I did a what I'm very proud of. I did a painting of the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris uh, from the left bank. I did a painting of the Franciscan Monastery in Washington D.C. That, that and uh, the gardens there that turned out quite well. And again, it was. A, uh, just a, it was a, the beauty of the garden and the the architecture is the cloisters behind. It. I had a, a one of the uh, that's the Franciscans. Uh, one of the brothers there walking uh, down the the cloisters, um, and I did a painting of when I was right out of college. It turned out quite well. It was a painting of three nuns in a in the garden at Mount Vernon, uh, in Mount Vernon, Virginia, George Washington's home. He had a on one side had a flower garden, and I was there in the springtime, and these. Uh, Three nuns from a, a, a local, local uh, um, uh, convent. convent were uh, uh, looking at the looking at the wonderful spring flowers there, and they're right in the center of the painting. And uh, they were they have they're the very severe dark habits, but there's this swirl of uh, color um, all around them, and there's the, the forms of the pathways and this uh, beautiful spring flowers, and there's the, it swirls around this dark center, and there's a wonderful counterpoint between the severe uh, uh, dark of the habits. And uh, the, this this wonderful riot of color around them, but at the same time, it's they're very con- contemplative, looking at the, the, the flowers and enjoying them. It, what's amazing to me is, is as you explain this, I'm seeing this in my mind's eye, uh-huh. and and I, I, it may be totally different than what the actual um, uh, image is that you've created, and yet it makes me wonder: Do you do you? Uh, uh, when you when you paint something like that, do you send a little description along to help people walk through that? Because a lot of people will look at pictures and not realize just what thought goes into sure. placement and all that. Uh, um, uh, only occasionally, um, when when, uh, when you're showing paintings in a gallery, they don't they're more interested in, in selling the painting. The, at the opening, we often do explain the artist is there, and we explain it to to the clients that show up there. But 
uh, the rest of the time we're not there to explain our work. And, and I often do wonder whether people are appreciating these things as much as I am. And they may even, even be reading much more into it than even I am. And, and I created it, but they, right. they're finding things in it. And that's the wonderful thing about art, because uh, people can, can, uh, can get things out of it that often the artist doesn't even realize. I did a painting of a, it was the Cliffs at Etretat, also in France, and uh, um, it was uh, the severe cliffs in the distance, I guess, the English Channel uh, back there. And I had sold it, and uh, the gallery owner told me later that this uh, a gentleman had uh, told him about six months later that he gets home from work and he, he gets a drink and he sits down in front of the painting and just stares at it and, and just he just goes into it in his mind. He, he, the, the, it was the complicated uh, layers of the white cliffs there. It's, it's the opposite of Cliffs of Dover there. And uh, it was very, uh, almost like an abstract in the sides of the cliffs. And he just gets lost in the pattern in the cliffs. And, That's and, beautiful. Uh, it, I guess it calms him down after a hard day at work in Washington or something. Well, it, does, it just shows you the impact of art. Yeah. And, I, and I know, Father, you've probably experienced a lot of times it yourself just seeing some of the beautiful church art. Uh, you know the, the the statuary, the the things that when I come to places like Lourdes or when I'm in uh, uh, Rome, and you look and you see this, you're it's, you were just awash. You're fascinated with all of the beautiful architecture, especially that's related to the church. And the church has always prized um, beautiful uh, visual. Uh, uh, depictions of that which is heavenly and, and good. Absolutely. In fact, I two things. First, I'd follow up what Paul said, and that is, I have in my rectory that beautiful picture, a print of it, of the nuns. And the nuns are contemplating the beautiful sunshine around these colorful flowers. And sometimes it reminds me to stop and think more about the day, not just go through the motions, because you look at these sisters contemplating, and it reminds me I have to do that too. But I just wanted to say that in, for the Jubilee year, Pope John Paul II would call groups to Rome for meetings, and he had a worldwide meeting of artists, and he started his presentation to the artists of the world by saying, remember in the Gospels he said that the Greeks came looking for Jesus, and they went to the apostles and their exact request was show us Jesus, we want to see Jesus. And then Pope John Paul II said to the artists of the world, the painters and sculptors, whoever it might be, he said, the apostles indeed showed the world or preached the gospel and made Jesus present. He said, now God asks that of you to use your art and your gifts and talents because what you give to the world can inspire them to see with more than just their human eyes. And that's what we believe really art is, that what you see, what goes into your eyes, actually goes through the eyes to your heart and your mind. That's awesome, and, and it's so beautiful. And so, see, uh, Paul, it's obvious that, uh, I know you, you kind of already know this, but people, when they see what might appear to be a, a simple landscape that... That if you let allow yourself like that man who who bought that painting of the cliffs mm -hmm. to go into enter into it, sure, and then it, it take, will lead us. It somewhere. takes them out on themselves and and uh, and and their their problems and and uh, the the troubles in their lives, and they, and they can move into another space, and and, uh, and it opens things up. It's wonderful. Yes. Well, thank you so much for spending some time here with us in the Catholic yeah. Cafe and talking about beauty and art and how it leads us to God. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Well, we will continue to pray for you. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll pray for all those here in Lourdes. Um, yes. And uh, Father Andrew Fisher, thank you for coming along and, and joining it's us Honor here. to come back, Deacon Chad. Uh, thank you. Wonderful, wonderful. We'll have you again, uh, certainly. Uh, I'll tell you what, since we're here in Lourdes, we should end with a prayer. We should definitely uh, just um, invoke the intercession of uh, the Blessed Mother. Indeed. Let's do that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. <laughs>